Hey guys, check this out. Baldwin Schools here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada has teamed up with Hockey Helps Kids to raise money for a great charity. You Can Youth Services helps at-risk youths of school age to go back to school or, if they've reached the age of maturity, help them find full-time employment. How dope is that? Allowing youths to become economically sustainable. So how can we help? Between January 16th and February 19th, 2020, go to HockeyHelpsKids.com, scroll down, find Euler number 93, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and vote. Vote for the basic right of education, the hard work of full-time employment, and give a voice and opportunity for those in need. Again, January 16th through February 19th, 2020, go to HockeyHelpsKids.com, scroll down, find number 93 Euler Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and vote. Help Baldwin schools complete their goal and reach and achieve their dreams by helping You Can Youth Services. Welcome to What's Your Hustle? Happy New Year, listeners. We are back with a brand new episode. I met this guest while at Edmonton Expo, and since then she has amazed me with her passion to go after what she wants. Christina is the front woman of Letters from Pluto, named after her love of space and going beyond expectations. She graciously sat down with me to chat about her journey to date, the fear that she may have started later, but that everything happens in its own time. So let's get into it. Here's What's Your Hustle, Letters from Pluto, with my guest, Christina. Hey guys, it's What's Your Hustle, and I'm here with Christina from Letters Pluto. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good. She drove here. It's raining snow still. It's outside. like, now it's full, full of snowing, but it's like, you know the really like, like big snow? Yes. Yeah, so it's like huge oh. droplets of snow, or huge Great. snow, what's the word? Not crystals, snow. Snow fluff? Fluff. Yeah. Flakes. Wow. 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 We promised we we had grade 8 science. Yeah, we promised we're Canadian. We've only seen snow like our entire lives. Is it sticking on the ground now? Oh, yeah. It's sticking. And I almost fell like three times walking in. So we'll see what happens when I leave. I am so sorry. So who knows? You might update it. She fell. (laughs) If you need cleats, I love cleats. Christina, where did Letters from Pluto stem from? What is your origin story? Origin story. So, like, do you mean just, like, how to get into music? Or how did, like, the artist's name or all of it? All of it. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, We get into your passion a little bit later, but just the overall. Yeah. So, oh, man. That's a very kind of complicated and also not complicated answer. That didn't make sense. Um, <laughs> well, Letters from Pluto, you know, my passion for music, I've been in music since I was five years old, mm-hmm. and I started with piano, and then moved on to band, and I've literally been playing, playing an instrument my entire life, and I always wanted to be in music, but I didn't really 
think about the singing and like creating songs side right. until I was about 17, 18. Yeah, it was like a late kind of discovery. And you know, you hear so many stories of artists that, you know, they were performing for their parents in their living rooms when they were eight years old. Like I didn't have that. Mm -hmm. And so for a while I was just like, wow, I got, st I got started late. <laughs> but um, what had happened was, it was kind of funny how I ended up singing. So like I was in choir, mm -hmm. you know, in elementary school, but then I didn't really sing. I was just in band, like jazz bands, honor bands. Um, and I really, really enjoyed that. And I, I always loved that aspect of performing. But when I was in high school, my jazz band, we were having this big dinner dance. And the, uh, the conductor was asking somebody to sing a song yesterday by the Beatles mm -hmm. while the band accompanied. And I got volunteered by one of my flute friends, because I, I played the flute, and I got volunteered, literally. They were like, oh, Christina will do it. I was like, ah, uh, no, I will not do it. Like, I do, I do not want to do this. Like, I was scared. Like, I, this wasn't something that I thought, hey, it's going to be fun. This is like, I have, don't want to do anything. Like, I, do, I can't, I don't want to do this. And so, for the next two weeks, I went to my band conductor. And I tried to convince him to get someone else to sing it. I'm not exaggerating. Like, I literally, for two weeks, every single day, I went to his class. And I was like, I don't want to do this. Get someone else to do it. And he was like... No, it'll be fine. You just do it. It'll be good. Don't worry. I'm like, no, I, I can't. Like, I'm scared. Like, I don't want to do this. He's like, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. You're going to be great. Just do it. It's all good. So I don't know if he just didn't want to go through the hassle of finding someone else or if he just believed in me in a way when I didn't believe in myself. I don't know which way it was, but um, I practiced at home. I was terrified. I couldn't practice in front of my parents. I couldn't practice in front of my friends. I couldn't sing in front of anybody. I was so scared of being on my own. I was finding in a, like a choir. With a group. With a group. But then on my own I was it was never like never something that I'd ever done in my life. And so I remember, you know, in that um it was like ten minutes before my performance. And I'm in the hallway of my school, hyperventilating. Mm -hmm. I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. Hyperventilating, freaking out, thinking I can't do this. And I finally go on, and to this day, I literally have no recollection of that performance because I think I just blacked it out of my memory, <laughs> like it's gone. But then I remember how I felt afterwards, and I felt so accomplished. I felt just so good, like, wow, I did something that I never thought I was capable of doing. It opened up something in you that you didn't think you had. Exactly. It's like something I had never experienced, and so I hadn't realized what I was missing. And you know, we're gonna talk about passions later, but it kind of had, it like woke something in me mm -hmm. that I didn't know was there. And so from that moment, I thought, you know what? Maybe I might try this music thing from another angle, not just in a band format. Maybe I wanna, maybe I wanna sing, maybe I wanna write music. And so I slowly started trying to figure out how to be a songwriter because that's not a skill that you just wake up with. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Which it's something that I think um, Hollywood kind of glamorizes. Mm. You don't wake up with that skill. Mm -hmm. You might be good at poetry, but you know, songwriting is poetry plus more. Right. And I definitely do not have that skill. It's a logistics to it that you have to figure out. Oh, yeah. Well. Yes. 
So that took a little while. And then once I started getting better at it and I started feeling a little more confidently about it, you know, I had to figure out, okay, what sort of sound do I want as an artist? Because that's a whole other battle. Oh, pinning down. Imagine. Like, what is your genre? Yeah. You know, you don't need to fit in one category, but you also need to kind of figure out what sort of ballpark you're playing in. Because if you go to a producer and, you know, you give them a song that you've worked on, you say, okay, produce it. They're going to say, okay, um, what do you want it to sound like? And if you go, oh, I don't know, then they're like, well, <laughs> what do you want, right? Right. So you, you have to have a sort of direction that you're going. And that, that went through, you know, for me, for... It was listening to a lot of things that I liked personally. Right. And a lot of influences, you know, things like um, Muse. Um, I love Muse, oh my god. Um, M83, Imagine Dragons. Um, Halsey wasn't really around when I started kind of a music thing. Right. But now, I like, you know, a lot of kind of what she, the ballpark she's in, that's kind of stuff that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then letters from Pluto, like the sound started to slowly evolve. And at the beginning, you know, it's kind of, um, you're kind of tipping your foot in the pool to see if that's something you like. And I feel like now I've definitely gotten more comfortable with it. Not, not comfortable, but um, more sure of what letters from Pluto sound is. And, you know, you, you asked if you wanted to know, like, the name, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I've been... <laughs> no, that's not <fine. laughs> stop talking. Um, the name, that was a tough one. Yeah. Um, so I had, you know, I'd written some stuff, and I hadn't had a name yet. Mm. I had pretty much my entire album finished and recorded, and I still didn't have a name. And I had... A notebook with probably five pages worth of names like on every single line name after name after name that I thought of and nothing was really sticking and it's like I found that they were very easily forgettable and so I uh, you know, I was thinking about how much I love space, and I had all these space names that I thought were cool, like Andromeda, they were just like very, I don't know, they were a little too much and Eventually one day I'm just, you know, I'm sitting around thinking about how, uh, you know, poor Pluto is um, an ex-planet and nobody, everybody loves it, but it's, you know, been declassified. It's a dwarf now. Yeah, it's a yeah. dwarf planet now. Yeah. And I was just thinking about, you know, how Pluto's the planet that everyone loves and it's like it's sending us love letters. And I just thought, oh wow, it's like, you know, letters to Pluto, and then just letters from Pluto. And the moment I said that, I was like, oh my God, letters from Pluto, that's it. And literally, it was like a, a eureka moment for me. Like, the moment it came out of my mouth, everything else, mm-hmm. all the other names that I had thought of, just like disappeared mm-hmm. from my mind. Would you say that it is a symbolism going back to when you didn't want to do it at all, something so small that you never considered for yourself as Pluto. We've not now not considered it as a planet, but it's something that's sent you this gift as something that you dismissed, but it opened up this door for you that you wouldn't have had any other way. Like Pluto, it's because it opens up a door for our curiosity. Wow. 
That's actually really beautiful. I had never really considered that. Oh. But, no, but that's, sorry, you, nope. you stumped me. Like, that was great. <laughs> no one's ever sort of thought of it from that angle before. That's really, that's really beautiful. Um, I can say, no, that, that that's not kind of where the idea came from. But now that you've mentioned that, I feel like, there's a connection there. Yeah. For sure. I like that. Like a real full circle kind of moment. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. It almost like Letters from Pluto, it's like it, it meant more than just that. And it was more than a name for me from the beginning. And one of the other things that I thought about, you know, was the fact that Pluto, like I said before, is this planet that we all love. And um, it felt kind of like, you know, a person, like an, like an outlier that, you know, just wants to be loved at the end of the day and is, is sending us love letters and just kind of have this, I don't know, this very visual quality to me. And it just was about wanting to, you know, be part of a community and wanting to fit in with the world. That's a very yeah. that's a weird answer, but... <laughs> no, I think we all go through that. We all go through moments where we're constantly looking for something and finding ourselves and yes. finding new avenues, you know, trying different jobs. I think we're all always constantly looking for something and ever evolving. Yes. For sure. We're all just searching for love at the end at of the, the day. At the end of the day, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some sort of acceptance. I think we're all looking for that, for I sure. That. Yeah. It helps us feel less alone. True. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. That's, you know, kind of what Letters from Pluto means to me. Mm -hmm. Where does your drive and passion of writing and performing come from? So, you know, going back to the very long story that I just told about kind of discovering singing, it's like I always enjoyed music before that, and I, you know, I knew I wanted to be involved in music, and I thought I was going to be, you know, a music teacher, but that passion of, of singing and performing in that way, I wasn't aware that that was there until it happened to me. Mm -hmm. So it, like I said, it kind of woke this this passion. So in that sense, it's like, I think for all of us out there, you know, sometimes when you see, you, you see or hear some people that say that they don't have passion. And I, I don't think that's true. I think that we all have a passion and some of them are just undiscovered. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's why I think that you know, for me, it, it took me a little while to kind of discover this music thing, and, and it could have taken even longer. It could have been a decade before, you know, I found out that I really wanted to do, like, the singing and songwriting and performing thing. And um, it's once I kind of figured out how to be more of a songwriter and performer, it just grew stronger, and that passion and that drive. And so it just, it comes from this place with all within us. I think it just, it's kind of hard to describe, but when you feel it, it's like, you know, you know, you know, in your bones, like, you know, in your bones, something that you were meant to do. Exactly. I love the fact that you think you discovered it at a later age in life only because it just proves that it does not matter how old you are. Oh, yeah. To start something. Oh, yeah. You can be 65 and mm -hmm. go back to school and find your passion, 100%. and that is what you were meant to do. And I think that that is a really beautiful message of you're never too old to do anything. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, I love that you say that. And when I say, you know, I discovered it late, 
it's like I'm I'm mostly joking. What I what I guess I mean by that is the fact that you know a lot of I guess success stories that you see in Hollywood, it's like you know they're 15, 16, and they've figured it out and they're on their way up, and it's like that's I that's like the one percent of the one percent. Absolutely, you know. So it's just like this tiny portion of society, but they make it seem like that is kind of what where you need to be at in order mm-hmm. to be successful. And so there was a little, and we'll get to this later, but you know, um, there was definitely a time where it was like, oh, I, I started my passion too late, I don't have time. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's stressful. And it's like, that's yeah. silly. I don't don't need to be thinking that way. And I, I also, in some ways, felt like I started late, but even though I started, you know, singing when I was 17, 18, I didn't fully dive in to the songwriting and the performing until my mid to late 20s. Because I'm, I'm 30 now, but I didn't fully commit until a lot later. I went to university, I got two degrees, I went and did all that, mm-hmm. and then I got to a point where I was like, okay, if I don't do this, mm-hmm. don't try, I will be miserable, and mm-hmm. I will always think, what if? Right. And so, you know, I discovered my passion when I was 17, 18, but I didn't really say, okay, I'm going to go for it until I was 26, 27. Yeah. And that's a long time to kind of wait. And so in, in a sense, that's kind of like where that thinking came from, uh-huh. even though it's silly. It, what was the very first song you wrote and how does it incorporate your life learning? First summer, it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was so bad. I was, I think it was around that time that I kind of discovered singing and I was 17 but my song sounded like it was written by a five-year-old um, because I did not know what I was doing and I I had no direction and I, I liked music, but I hadn't really like listened strategically mm. to music. And so I didn't I didn't have any idea with it. And it was, it was terrible. It was like, um, I don't know, it was about some guy I liked at the time. And it had no um, direction whatsoever and I can't tell you what it was called or anything like that and like I've forgotten everything about it essentially but I look back now at that song and think like how much I've learned just through I don't know researching practicing meeting other songwriters and working with them and so how so the question was I'm sorry I just blab and forget oh no blab all you want (laughs) how is your life your journey and your growth now developed your songwriting. Right, okay, that's actually interesting because my album, which I released in 2016, um, I had written, oh boy, I think I wrote in the beginning of 2015. And I look at that album now and it's very much like a snapshot of my life in that moment. I'd gone through some stuff, life was difficult and like, you can hear like a lot of anger on that record. And I didn't really realize that until a really close friend of mine, uh, actually Tyler, <laughs> a close friend of mine brought up like, hey, like, you know, you're angry in this record. And um, I got kind of, I couldn't put aside some of the feelings that I was having at that time um, while writing and to, to kind of just like, I got like very stuck into certain themes mm. when I was writing. 
Okay. I mean, I was just very angry at that moment, and I couldn't seem to get away from that and, like, kind of break open some of those feelings and delve a little bit deeper. So it just, it was it was kind of a weird time, but looking back now, I definitely, like, can see parts of the album. Like, I'm very, very proud of that album, very much still. Really? And, um, I'm, you know, I listen to a lot of songs on it sometimes. I'm just like, you know what? For someone who really did not know a lot about what they were doing at the time, I'm like, I'm happy this looking at it now I can say okay I feel just much more confident in, in my songwriting skills and like how I've developed and how to maybe approach something a little bit differently going forward yeah that answer the question it Sorry. did no it did absolutely <laughs> when was your first performance not in school when your friend volunteered yeah to. And first performance as letters from Pluto yes as letters from Pluto that would actually be when I released that album which was april uh was it 16 2016 it was april it was like that thursday i remember it was thursday yes because i couldn't get the venue on friday and it was at the yellowhead brewery it was yes and uh because you were there yeah right? yeah yes. and um, it feels like decades ago it <laughs> does it, but you know what in my brain it it, it actually it in my brain, it is a decade ago because I've changed so much as a person mm -hmm. and an artist since then. It literally feels like it's been 10 years. That was my first performance. I was so scared before I went on that night. Mm -hmm. And it was great because we packed that place. Like Oh, you guys, it was to the brim. <laughs> so honestly, like, after she performed, we just kind of spread out and got a little Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was so much fun. The place was packed. It was so hot, I remember. And... That was my first time performing as Letters from Pluto, like, with a band performing my own original songs. Yeah. And it was, like, a rush. Because everybody there, they were, like, all family and friends. Like, I didn't have, like, fans. <laughs> it's such a weird word, fans. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, like, all family and friends, and everyone was so supportive. And I didn't know what people kind of expected from that night. Because mm -hmm. for me, you know, Letters from Pluto had been... Um, from when I started, I think I told you that I, like, I finished writing all that music and recorded that in early 2015, but I think I started writing it, or sorry, that was 2015, I started writing it in like 2014. Wow. And so then by the time that I fully released it all, it's like, it was like a two-year process. And so I knew like the ins and outs, everything, because I'd been so invested in it. And then, you know, a very short period of time before that actual show i kind of launched up all my social medias started inviting people and everyone's just kind of like wait what is this <laughs> so i guess like from your perspective what did, what did you think of like you know i kind of just came out with this letters from pluto i'm turning the question on you now <laughs> from my perspective i thought it was pretty dope i i had known that you were singing when you invited everyone i thought that i was honestly really just proud of you I wasn't, it wasn't a shock value of like, what? Christina is doing what? And <laughs> she has a band? It was more of a, you know what? She's doing it. She wants, like, I didn't know you all that well. So it was a bit of a, from an outsider not knowing you that well, it was a bit of a nice shock, honestly. It was, it's an inspiration of, like, if you want to do something, do it. 
because it's just like that teacher in class that made you sit next to the smartest kid in the room. And I say that in quotations because <laughs> everybody thinks they're the smartest in the room. But it's that teacher that sits you next to the one that gets the good grades is because you can learn something from them. Mm-hmm. It's not about competing with them. It's not about mm-hmm. you're better than this person. It's about what can that person do to help you and encourage you. Mm-hmm. And I was just much more like, you know what she's doing it. She wants to do it. She has know-how to do it. And it's just, it was really lovely and proud to see, like, someone in our age group just not going with the norms. There are so many doors open to you. Mm -hmm. So it was mostly, for me, it was just a big inspirational push, for sure. Aw, thank you. Yeah. So sweet. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot to me. What have you learned from your first performance as Letters from Pluto to now about yourself? And since then, you've done Under the Dome at uh, Tell Us World of Science. Mm -hmm. Okay, Uh, I learned that I need to get out of my own head. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing. Um, What goes through your mind that you need to get out of it? It's like, it's a very weird mix because when, for me at least, it's like, you, you hear so many different ways that like stage fright and performing affects people and sometimes it can affect people for literally an entire show and they clam up and they can't do anything but for me it's like I switch on it's this hard thing to describe but it's like I will be terrified out of my mind um, before going on and then for that first 30 to 45 seconds like I'm feeling it I'm scared and then it's like someone flicks the little switch and letters from Pluto's on. Yeah. It's like this thing in my brain. But, you know, you're hyper aware of everything that's going on around you. You're not thinking about, like, you know, the music. You're not thinking about the words. You can't actually think about how you're going to perform mm-hmm. because you will mess it up. It right. needs to be, like, absolutely memorized. Yeah. Like, if I can't go on stage without lyrics memorized, because if I'm trying to think about it, it just won't happen. Because mm-hmm. you're you're so aware of, you see everybody in front of you, yeah. you see every little distraction that you can't yeah. actually be thinking uh-huh. about the performance. All you can think about is just having as much fun as possible and being as energetic as possible. Um, and so, what have I learned about myself? That's, that's a really interesting one that I really enjoy performing. <laughs> no, it just, it gives me, you know, it's there's this thing called a performer's high. It's a real thing, and a lot of performers feel it. And when they're on stage, they feel like a million dollars. And then they get off, and they just feel like they're flying. And then, you know, what pre- um, what proceeds uh, after that performer's high is the drop, yes. which is very difficult. And What does that drop look like for you sometimes, or all the time? It, it used to be worse. I've gotten better at controlling it now, but it's, it's basically like... So take your average, right? Your average everyday feeling and take like the best you really normally felt. Not the best you've ever felt, but you know, you're you're having a good day. And then performing just kind of amps that up and it's like, it it gives this rush of adrenaline that you don't really get in any other scenario, Mm -hmm. you know? And so get this huge rush of adrenaline and then after the performance, you have that adrenaline for two or three hours and then it was like that that first night that I performed my very first show. I remember for two or three hours, I was flying high. Mm. And then I could barely keep my eyes open after that three hour mark. It's like that 
which I remember more off, and I crashed really hard. And so then, after you actually like sleep and everything, then you go back down to your average every day, which is a normal, but it feels like you're falling. Mm-hmm. It feels like you're sinking. And you just want to get that high again. It's like you kind of wonder, like, what is wrong with me? Like, you know, yesterday I felt this. Why do I feel like this? Yeah. And so that's why you hear some of these, you know, um, I'm sure that's part of the reason why some of these older bands, like from, you know, the 60s and the 70s, are still performing is because it just makes them feel so good. Yeah. Right? It's like a drug almost. Yeah. And so that drop feels like feels like you're falling further than you should when in fact you're just reaching your equilibrium again yeah so you know when i first started performing the any time after a show like after that i kind of like for sometimes a week i'd be like oh my god i feel awful yeah like what's going on with me me wonder if that's why some celebrities get that high off of cocaine I've thought about that in the past, not for myself. I well, mean, no. I mean, like, I've, that is something that has definitely crossed my mind. Like, you know, I wonder if this is what you hear about some people, they'll, they'll just... Because be all, and going back to, like, the not being able to live in society without this certain thing, mm. is it because they can't live without that high? Yeah. Right? Is yeah. why they become addicted to certain drugs yes and it's just it's really scary to think Mm -hmm. and going back to like the stability of what our lives have given us when we start things later it's I think a great help because mentally you're prepared for it Mm -hmm. whereas when you start young it's you're not as prepared so I wonder if that's like the same high that why celebrities or musicians result to a drug I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Very and, curious. And especially when you hear some of some artists like the big like the big A list misters who will be on tour for a year and they're in a new city every second day and it's like they'll go and feel that rush playing for like fifteen thousand people every night, which I can't imagine. And then going back to your trailer, going and living in like your tiny little bunk bed and driving to the next city and doing it every single day like that, coming off of that tour I can't imagine how awful you feel. Yeah. It's like, I read this this article once and it was talking about, you know, the dangers of tour. And this one guy said it so perfectly. He goes, you know, one week I was, uh, I was playing for screaming crowds and crowd surfing. And the next week I'm back home feeding the cat. What the hell is wrong with my life? And I'm just right. like, literally, this is what yeah. this, this guy said. And he, he definitely has some points. It's like, it's, it's not healthy. And so we need musicians, and this will go into the mental health stuff that we're going to talk about, but need to find the balance. Absolutely. And that's a very difficult thing to attain. And so that, for me, is also one of the things that I've slowly figured out through the years. From my first performance to now, now when I go into performance, I know I'm going to not feel too great the next few days. And, like, be prepared and, like, go out and meet friends or do things that make me feel happy and, and just, like, be proactive. Yeah instead of sitting in the slump at home and, and waiting for the next waiting thing. for that next hit almost yeah absolutely yeah um you opened for aqua this summer and as an outsider for me it was amazing it was just to see you up there in your element 
summertime and it you guys it was a great crowd Thank and you. it was just uh it was so much fun but you were you're a fan we're fans first oh my god yeah absolutely like if you're a 90s baby oh god. <laughs> i got that album when i was a kid yeah you, and i screamed <laughs> <laughs> like you were a fan first like my niece is three years old and is a fan like she'll sing right. barbie girl oh wow Oh, what did that mean to you, being a fan, but also being up there performing before them, meeting them briefly, like, what was that? It didn't feel real. It, it was very surreal. Like, when I first found out that I was opening for Aqua, so I'll give you a little bit of the, the rundown. So when I, you know, got told that I'm, I was being asked to perform at K-Days, they said, you're performing this day. We can't tell you the headliner yet. We're going to tell you this day. And I was just excited to perform at K-Days. I was like, this is amazing. I've been wanting to perform more in the city and, and get in front of a, you know, in front of a, a crowd. And, and I was just thrilled by that. Then they sent me an email the next day. You know, we're excited to announce that you are opening for Aqua. And I... <laughs> I had to read that sentence about three times because I thought I was dreaming. And I screamed, I jumped up and down, and then I danced in my apartment like a crazy person. And like... To Barbie Girl or... <laughs> it just to like silence. Yeah. I was just like, I don't know, my neighbors are probably like, what is happening? Um, and it's like I knew I was going to open for them, but I also was like how is this possible? Because I grew up listening to this band. Like I remember the song on the radio. I remember getting the CD. I remember wearing the CD out. Like, I think I cooked that thing. Like, <laughs> and I still have that CD. And so just the fact that I was like opening for legends, I was like, wow, I can't believe that they're asking me to open for them. Like that just, it felt incredible. And, and then I realized that I was probably going to that was a whole different level it's it was it was actually unbelievable for me it was totally a bucket list thing like I always thought hey it would be amazing to like play on the same stage as aqua but I didn't even think they were touring anymore so I just right. like totally put the idea out of my mind yeah. because I was like it's never gonna happen and it happened, and it happened. <laughs> you guys don't don't give up on your dreams honestly <laughs> do not Thank give up you. on your dreams and they look on to see them up close almost you guys they look like they haven't aged at all oh, like, wow. can, they look amazing they look amazing they look they are they're at least 20 years older than we are i would think oh yeah but they like they look our age it's i don't know it's denmark air I, I, yeah they look great yeah yeah they look amazing and you want to know something really really funny about opening for aqua and like the music industry and how small the world this is so last year um i was in denmark and I was working with some people there, I was doing some songwriting. I was just like working with producers and stuff. And there was this producer that I worked with and he was just a lovely person. And um, I went into a studio, which was like in the middle of nowhere in Denmark. Like literally I took a train to what felt like the middle of nowhere. And actually you can see it on my, I have an Instagram story and his studio is like out in the woods. Mm -hmm. And as you're walking into his studio, there's like, um, he has like all these records that he's worked on, like encased in like the frames and everything. And there was a frame with Aqua 
in it. Oh my God, you worked with Aqua. And he goes, yeah, I produced one of their songs. I was like, no way. And then he goes, yeah, actually, um, we're friends. You know, we, we, we hang out from time to time. Like, what a small world. That's crazy. I'm like, I like, I'm like, I grew up on Aqua and like, I knew they were Danish, but I didn't think that, you know, the only person in Denmark that I know happens to know Aqua. And then a year, like a year later, I'm opening for them. <laughs> and so I, I messaged him and yeah. I go, can you believe, can you oh believe that? Goodness, that's amazing. What a small world. I love the fact that little opportunities yeah. lead to something so much bigger. Yes. How has music influenced your own personal growth and mental health? Oh boy, being in the music industry has definitely affected my mental health in some positive and negative ways. Share it. So the positive is going gonna, is gonna to be shorter and not because it's like any less important, it's just because it's definitely like easier to explain and the negative, it's just like a complicated question. So. You know, positives, it's like, now that I'm doing my music full time, it's waking up and saying, I get to do my passion is a really incredible feeling. And not being so worried about, you know, having only the couple hours at the end of the day, if I'm lucky. And now I feel like I can fully give myself to that. And um, it took a lot of work to kind of get to that point. And just being able to do music it gives me so many outlets just to feel like I can express myself and I'm, I'm truly grateful for that and being able to perform like I was saying it's a feeling like you don't really experience anywhere else and I love performing and, and being able to just write and just it makes me it makes me so happy that I get to experience that but then on the opposite end of that is you know there's a lot of things about being in the music industry that can be kind of damaging in some ways and maybe not damaging like getting so dark but the hard part one of the hard parts about being in the industry is your success depends on other people's opinions of your music your fans yeah your fans and it's if you can even reach those people yeah so it's a very like you know it's a big world out there now and now nowadays it's like anybody can release music, which they, you know, they say, you, some people, you, you go to conferences, you go to networking events and they go, oh, it's never been easier to be an artist. But in some ways that's almost a lie because it's, I think it's never been harder to be an artist because there's so much noise yeah. out there. There's almost too much saturation yes. of what some might perceive as authentic, good music. Yes. And it gets over taken and some good musicians do get overshadowed yes. because of the saturation yes exactly that's that's exactly what it is and you know your success really is determined by if someone will buy your music or not and you know it's there's most jobs out there it's you know you do the job you get paid but music isn't like that and so you know that there's something very kind of innately stressful about that is you know obviously can I continue doing what I love but also the idea of you know can I make ends meet that's yeah. a very sort of scary thing and the other the other side to being you know a musician doing your passion is I think that a lot of times if you're being like your own CEO you can like dive too deep into what you're doing and you can kind of 
end up having unhealthy patterns because you work too much. You're not sleeping enough. Right. You're not seeing family, friends. You're, you're not taking care of yourself. And I know for me, when I, right at the beginning of, actually not just the beginning, but for a while, with Letters from Pluto, like, I was grinding hard. Mm-hmm. I was not being healthy. Like, I was staying up till three or four every night, you know, working yeah. and looking for new opportunities mm-hmm. and, and doing all these things. Like, I was working 16-hour days. Right. And because it's your it's your baby. It's yeah. something that you can edit, control. Exactly. The content. And you're there staring at a computer or trying to advertise for hours and hours on yeah. end, not realizing, like, my brain isn't getting it because yeah. it is tired. Yes. And you're not realizing that for mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. Exactly. And I was, I was working myself to a bone. And, you know, I, I did... I remember there was a period of time where I think for a year, every month and a half, I was like away from home. I think I ended up traveling over a total of like two months of that year and it was all for work and it was, um, it was conferences, it was networking things, it was radio promotional tours, it was like all sorts of things and like while that was, you know, amazing and I feel like I made a lot of strides and, you know, I had a momentum going, it, it, it felt good. It's like I was also like not taking care of myself at all. And um, it's like these, even just the conferences, like I love music conferences, believe, I'm like not trying to make this a negative thing, but even the music conferences, it's like they kind of promote an unhealthy lifestyle. So some of the conferences will start at, you know, 8.39 in the morning and then they'll go till 5 p.m., which is great. But then the shows start. So let's say shows start at seven or eight. And depending on which sort of music conference you're at, there could be multiple venues in the city. And the shows will go till 3 a.m. Yeah. And then the conference starts at 8.30 again. Rinse, repeat every day. (laughs) And you need to go because it is part of your networking. I learned so much in that one year because I was at like every single panel. I met with every single person that I could. I was at every network mixer. I was at so many shows. I was at the last show of the night, go home, waking up like half dead (laughs) and doing it all again. And, but it gave me a sort of energy. Mm -hmm. It was like, I'm doing my thing. And even though I was exhausted, I was excited. And while it was like really great and that's exciting, it's like doing that over the long term in the way that I feel, you know, some some of the industry tries to promote, it's like, you can't do that. You can't maintain that. It's just so unhealthy for you. And it took me a while to kind of realize that I was hurting myself. You know what I mean? Immensely exhausting yourself. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was having some friends kind of reach out and be like, hey, I haven't seen you in so long. Are you okay? And it kind of, it kind of took me to a point of like reaching the absolute like exhaustion that I would that I need to say, okay, I need to kind of change how I do things. And I had a serious, like, it's because when you're your own boss for your music, you're wearing so many hats. You're not just the artist, which in reality, art requires time and patience. So you should give yourself like plenty of time to write and not have to write in a rush. But as artists, when we're doing so many different parts of the job, you know, unfortunately that kind of gets pushed aside a lot of times which is 
because it's like as an artist you want to be like I get to write music instead of doing all of these other things that are required so you know it's you're you're you have the role of manager marketer social media guru um strategic planner so it's like sometimes you're doing five or six jobs just as an artist and I had this serious sort of FOMO thing where I'm like I gotta make sure that I get it all done in this you know in this order and in this timely fashion otherwise I won't move forward and I was like so determined that I had to reach certain milestones until I just started realizing like god I gotta take a break and like realize that okay you know I might get there a little bit slower I'm not losing anything and I just need to like chill out and I was just I had my eye on the ball like so much that I was blinded you know what I mean yeah so this last year and a half I would say um has been really great because I've you know I've definitely done a lot of work to just be more chill <laughs> with right. my music yeah and it, you definitely like you have to, to take the time to you do to, to really because when you're in control of something that you're passionate about yeah. I feel like you lose sight of the vision mm-hmm. and the vision is to put out content of course for your fans but also content that makes you happy because yeah. you started this because it made you happy exactly and you don't want to lose that at all yeah you definitely lose sight of it. And the thing that's really hard as well is, you know, when, like, when I was really, really going hard at going to conferences and meeting with everybody that I could meet up with, you, you hear so many different opinions from so many different people that, you know, they all they all say, oh, you know, do this and this will help you do this and this will help you and you can get very caught up in everybody else's idea of like what you need to do to make your career and i think that's one of the worst things that you can do mm-hmm. for your musical career it's yeah. like i feel like you have to trust your instincts and you know what was right for you yeah and you know what you want to put towards into the world yeah and the goodness you want to put into the world and I think that we have to keep that mindful in anything that we do in life for sure exactly to be mindful and about actually this was a year ago too this was right before I went to Denmark on that same trip I first went to the UK and um, I went to songwriting camp and songwriting camps are they're a great way to kind of you know, if you're not feeling um, very positive about your writing, they like just kind of take you out of your reality and just kind of plop you in a very creative environment and, and give you the ability to kind of spark that again. And because at that point I had been, I, I was very kind of feeling fizzled out, like I just didn't have any energy anymore because I was going so hard on the business side of things. It's like I did kind of what you said is I forgot why I got into it. And then I went to this camp and I was like, okay, this is gonna, this is gonna help me. And, um, that did it for me. That's when a lot of things started to change and I got, you know, I got back really into writing again. And now that's, now I write almost every day and I wasn't doing that before because I was so into the business side and, um, you get, you, you get stuck 
Yes. Yeah. And I had gotten stuck creatively. Creatively wise, I, I had been stuck. And so then I went there and it kind of just, I don't know, it just kind of... It helped you let something go. It let something go. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because at that camp, um, I met, you know, lots of, of great writers and it's, it's a great way to like meet people. And so you can continue your writing relationships like going forward. And there was this, um, this guy there that I met and we now co-write together almost every day. Amazing. And he, he's from Wales and we like, we, we Skype co-write together and like, you know, we wrote, um, the top line for, um, a song that came out earlier this year on Spinning Records. It was Madison Mars Night Call. Yeah. And I had a feature on it and me and that guy uh, wrote the top line. Oh, and the top line for anyone that doesn't know is the um, melody and the lyrics. So there once again almost is like these little connections that at the time you don't really think about. Yeah. And um, if I hadn't gone to that songwriting camp to kind of get that creativity back, I wouldn't have met him and then we'd have come up with that song and spin and yeah, just this year. So it's kind of nice. Life huh? is life is cool. As uh, music is ever evolving, what is one constant message you want to send through your music? It's just you know, life can be really hard, but life can also be really great. And a lot of things you know that we find in that album that I came out with in 2016 is like, keep going, don't give up, and good things will emerge. And um, a lot of things is sometimes like your pain that you might be feeling at a certain moment, it can it can help you out in the future. It can, it can teach you a lesson that maybe you needed to learn. You can use that going forward. Not all pain. <laughs> Not all pain. But... Um, it's just it's just to keep going and try to be as positive as you can and, and move forward. What are your top five songs right now? Well, it's interesting because I'm really, really liking what Halsey is doing right now. It took me a little while to kind of get on the Halsey train. Yeah. Um, train. I don't even know what I mean by that. <laughs> but um, the last three songs that she's come out with, I have just been so into. Like when Nightmare came out earlier this year oh my god i i was so there for that song that was like everything that i wanted in the song i was so happy because it had like this rock edge and it was like this rawness and yeah like i think i listened to that song for literally two days straight like from hours and hours i just kept listening to it's great um her song graveyard oh my god she, there's that line, I would have followed you all the way to the graveyard. Like, from a songwriting standpoint, that is just such an amazing song. I just really like that. Um, I know I'm talking about Top 40 right now, or like, the hits, but I also listen to a lot of hits, because like, being in pop as well, yes. I like to listen to a lot of pop. It, it helps you, like, get in touch of what is going on. Yes. And it helps you also evolve in your music. Exactly. Exactly. So, I like just staying on top of kind of, you know, music right now, and um, I I loved Taylor Swift's new album, and I don't think that I've ever listened to a Taylor Swift album from top to bottom before. Really? Like, ever. Yeah. I would just pick certain songs, but... I loved that album. Um, she had a song, um, The Man. I've not heard it. Oh, God. 
she basically talks about the fact that um, men get more opportunities. And the, the line in the chorus is, I'm so sick of running as fast as I can, wondering if I get there quicker if I was a man. Wow. I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> first, first of all, the rhyme is on point. <laughs> but it's just like she says so much in, in those few words. And she also has a song, um, oh, what's it called? Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince. I love the sound, like in the production of that album, or that that song. Really wicked. Um, okay, those are four. Oh, I just like rediscovered Billy Talent the other day. Okay, you're going to laugh. The song that I've been listening to a lot lately is actually old, but it's called Blue Monday by New Order. It is like a really, I think it's like from the 80s or maybe even 70s, and it's like a dance, straight up dance track. It's so it's the catchiest song ever. Sorry, it's a weird so it's like no, Taylor Swift totally Palsy, Palsy. Billy Talent in New Order. <laughs> that's totally fine. You can find Christina's songs on Spotify. Where can the people find you on IG, Twitter, or you mean like my like my handles? Your handles. <laughs> uh, okay, so Instagram is uh, at letters from Pluto. Um, Facebook, if you just type in Letters from Pluto or www.facebook.com slash Letters from Pluto 9, 9, because someone else had the Letters from Pluto name and I was like, what? So then I added 9 because Pluto is the ninth planet. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then um, Twitter is at Letters underscore Pluto. And you can also check out my website, um, lettersfrompluto.com. Perfect. Made by our friend Mike. Yes, Mike Lally. Hi, Mike. Christina, I want to thank you for joining me tonight. It was oh. so great to sit down with you and get to know a little bit about your craft. It was, it's like, it's eye-opening and it's so beautiful what you're doing. I'm Aww. very, very happy that you are following your passion. Aww, thank you so much. And I really appreciate you having me. And this is the first time I've done a long-form interview, quotations around that, uh, like this. And uh, it's just been great to chat with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to What's Your Hustle, created, produced, and hosted by yours truly, Halima Hussain. Be sure to give us a follow on Instagram at What's Your Hustle Podcast. Listen, rate, review on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, as well as anywhere else you stream podcasts. And remember, whatever your hustle is, you got this.